welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I am the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, which has inspired this podcast now. And even though the book was written, oh gosh, in 1997, we're coming up on 25 years, the lessons that I learned alongside my old college professor as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease still resonate with me today with many people around the world. The book, uh, much to my surprise, was embraced and is taught literally around the world in classrooms from grade school to college. And so the messages that Maury had to share when he was dying and was kind of putting life in perspective have found their way into the cycle of his generation, younger generations, and even younger generations. And we review them here each week, taking one sort of topic and examining it through the eyes of the tapes, the original tapes that I made with Maury many, many years ago when we were sitting alongside one another in West Newton, Massachusetts, as he spent his final days, and I was lucky enough to be alongside him. Alongside me, as always, is Lisa Goich, our producer and my friend. Lisa, always good to have you here. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, Mitch Album. And Lisa's happy she's wearing new kicks. She got I got some new kicks. New Converse on. kicks, and so life is good. Yes. As we started the show, though, I put only one on, so I'm wearing two completely different shoes while we're taping. Well, go wild. It- <laughs> As I say in podcast world, just go wild. Go nuts. Two complete. I'm going to take a picture for the, for the listeners, so I'll post it on our page. Two completely um- different shoes. Well, I mentioned uh, our friend Lisa Goich, and friendship is actually on the menu today. The topic of friendship, I, I-, I thought... It would be good to talk about it and some of the things that Maury and I spoke about with regards to the meaning of real friends and what a friendship is and the many, many different forms that friendship takes. And why I think it's pertinent today is that we are slowly coming out of this pandemic. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but I'm finding, and I think a lot of people that I know are finding, that they're having to sort of rekindle friendships that were put on hold while everybody was sort of in panic mode. Well, I can't see you, can't have you over. And let's face it, some friends, like I I always try to note that friends tend to fall into categories. They all fall under this big word, friends. But the word Mm -hmm. friends to me is as varied as the word family. Family can be that brother that you are close as anybody else in the world to who thinks like you do and who calls you before you even have to call him. Or family can be that crazy uncle who you haven't seen in 30 years, and then calls up and wants mm-hmm. money. They're still both family, right? <laughs> we call them family. That's my family. They're family. But there's no connection between those two people. Well, to right. me, it's the same thing with friends. People say, well, this, this is my friend, such and such, or I have a friend, such and such, or I grew up with these friends, such and such. But friends can be of all varying degrees. Friends can be someone who you just love to go out with and have a good time with, but there's part of you that knows you could never really rely on them. (laughs) Other friends just are there for you for the really serious stuff, but they're not that much fun to be around. And you're not in such a hurry (laughs) to necessarily go because, uh, you know, they get married and the kids are different and they're not the same person I used to know, but I know they'll always be there for me. And then there's the lifelong friends who you haven't seen in so long that, 
it doesn't matter because as soon as you get back together with them, you fall into the same pattern that you had when you were in high school or college. You're the same person. It's incredible. And you always end up saying the same thing. God, we haven't seen each other in 30 years and it's like a day hasn't passed. And then there are the friends who are really of the moment and you get very close to them and you have a lot of dinners with them or hanging out with them or catching up with them. And you realize, you know, we've only known these people for like a year and I really don't know their history or anything like that. They're all under that friend category, right? I mean, you call them all the same word just as you call them all family, but they're not the same. Mm -mm. They're not the same at all. There's very, very uh, great amount of varying degrees of friends. So if we accept the fact that there's just, all these different gradients of friends and friendship, then why do we expect them all to behave the same way under a certain circumstance? And yet we do. Mm. When trouble comes, how many times have you heard people say, well, this is when you find out who your real friends are? <laughs> right? right? Yeah. You heard that, right? Uh-huh. This is when uh-huh. you find out who your real friends are. And there are many cases in life where that comes up. And what is kind of implied by that is that some of them are going to prove to be real friends and some of them are not, right? Yeah, that's the truth. That's a tough one too because you're really putting a lot on your friends by putting them into that bucket. Right. You know, some people just aren't equipped. They might still be that level of friend to you, but they're just not equipped to handle whatever emergency that it is that you're having. You know, Maury learned this lesson actually very early on in a very unusual setting. Early in Maury's career, before he became a college professor, he worked in a mental hospital. You know, his field of study was sociology. And, and, and uh, as part of that, he worked in a mental hospital for a couple of years And he dealt with some patients there and learned something about friendship very, very early on. Listen. It was very hard to get related in the human way that I was. What this patient used to cling to me, she asked me if I was a friend of hers. I'd say, I thought I was. She'd say, well, you could be a friend because you don't work for the hospital. You are not a paid friend like the other people are. So she's very clear. She said, I don't want paid friendship. So mm-hmm. she's very clear on mm-hmm. the fact that that wasn't that human. Mm-hmm. And people were doing this because they were getting paid to mm-hmm. do it. Did you learn how to be a uh, truer friend or, or associate to people through that experience because you kind of had a sense of people looking for ulterior motives? You know, you had to kind of be honest or, or they'd catch you. Absolutely right. So right there, in an unusual setting, in a mental hospital, Maury had an early education mm. in one form of friends that what I would call are sort of the um, professional friends. Now, we all mm-hmm. like professional friends. We, we like to go to work and have people who we work with who are our friends. We, uh, I, I see something in the movie business which is a kind of a unique business in and of itself, when movies get together and form, as we know, originally there's nothing there than a script, then a producer, then a director, then eventually it all comes together. And one day they start the movie. And it's a big 
family, so to speak. There's all these people working on this project. There's the actors and the directors and the crew and everybody. And they're all kind of together every day for an intense period of time. That could be anywhere from four weeks to three or four months, depending on the project, right? And I've watched, because I've worked you know, on the movies that have been made of my books, and I have a lot of friends who are actors and things like that, and, and they get very, very close in a short period of time. This is what you've heard of uh, uh, movie romances, or on, you know, yes. uh, where, where people get together and suddenly their boyfriend and girlfriend because they're working on the same movie. But what invariably yes. happens is there's what they call a rap party, which is the last party of the production. And then the next day, it's like a circus that moved out of town. The production is gone and everybody's gone their separate ways. I've been to those rap parties. And at those rap parties, everybody exchanges phone numbers and everybody's like, oh my God, you know, let's, hey, uh, in next month, I'm going to be doing this. We should get together. You know, and we, every, every winter we go to Colorado to ski. Let's go. All right, well, let's go together. We're going to do it. We're going to ski. And nobody ever does it. <laughs> Nobody ever does. You never hear from these people again. In fact, I won't say who, but I have an actor friend who was critical of a, of a woman who he had got involved with, uh, later finding out that she'd never really had a relationship that lasted longer than the movie that she was on. And so while she oh, seemed to funny. be very, yeah, seemed to be very intent, but <laughs> like she couldn't deal with a relationship that actually traversed multiple yeah. movies. She couldn't la- deal with a relationship that lasted a real year on its own without these artificial starts and stops to it. It was very much, uh, for, for her, these friendships or even romances were very much related to the work. But she was used to there being an expiration date on them. And when yeah. there was no expiration date to this relationship, she didn't know how to handle it. She kind of freaked out. And so there are those kind of friendships that are, by their nature, temporal but they can be great friendships. You can have a great time. You can really enjoy one another. I've, I've seen people on these movie sets, they're laughing and hanging out and drinking. And, 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 and you just think, my God, these people are going to be friends forever. And there are people yeah, who go to... Yeah, and you make memories. You make yeah. memories. And right, it's fun. You're doing something fun. Look at it when we were kids as camp, camp friends. Remember that? My camp friends. Uh-huh. You, you, you were Same in, thing. Yeah, in this intense one month or two month sort of friendship you live together in these bunks and 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 you played on sports teams together and maybe you talked about girls or guys together you were teenagers and you're going through those and you were kind of on your own your parents were away and here you were in this thing and you were just so as tight as tight could be but then when camp was over you wrote each other one letter in September thinking that it was going to go on forever and and it was kind of over for the most part i mean some people keep their yeah. camp friendships but for the most part it was, as they sang in Greece, summer loving, have me a blast. You know, that, that was it, though. It's over at the yeah. end of the summer. This is also a form of friendship. But would you expect those summer camp friends? Would you expect the movie set friends? Would you expect those friends that you have formed because you are at work with them to be there for you in the case of a terminal illness, as Maury had? Mm-mm. If you do, you are likely to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Why? Does it mean that they're bad people? No, of course it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It's what I said at the start of the show. Friendship comes in many different sizes and different forms. And you cannot expect the deep, connected, binding form of friendship love that exists in one of those categories from every category just because it has the word friend in it. Mm-hmm. Some people are not capable of that. Some people 
didn't get into the friendship for that. They got into the friendship on that movie set because you were all pulling together to make a good movie. And it was a friendship as long as the movie was there. They got into the friendship because at work, it's like, hey, we have to work across from one another at this desk for eight or nine hours a day. Let's get along. You know, let's be friendly. Let's, our jokes are all about our bosses and all about the people at work. We don't really talk a whole lot about our life outside of it. But we need somebody to talk to for these eight or nine hours, five days a week. So that's the basis of that friendship. Or camp. Well, we're at camp together. and we're, So that's the basis of that friendship. But that's different than an everlasting friendship. That's different than one that traverses any kind of conditions, no matter where you are, how close you are, what you're doing. And to expect one to have the same depth and connection as the other is a little naive. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I have lifelong friends that I may never see ever, but I know that I could depend on them in a pinch. But the people that I work with or like you're saying, even friends that are my casual friends here. Mm-mm. Like when I was in the hospital, I, I, I have a line now. I know who's on each side of that line. Mm-hmm. I've already placed my friends where they belong from that moment. And oddly enough, there were friends on social media who I barely talked to, but you know, we engage who were there saying, do you need anything? Can I help you with anything? Can I, and, and these are people I don't even, I probably haven't even ever seen in person once, you know, but, it's weird how different people jump up for different things at certain times of your life, you know? Um, yes. But it is true. And the hospital thing that you mentioned is one of those barometers by which we sort of measure our friends. You know, who will be with us when we're sick? Now, are you, should you be mad at people who don't show up at the hospital when you were hoping that they would? Or was that hope a little out of place because you were kind of transferring the kind of work friendship or casual friendship into that deep, caring friendship that only a handful of people in your life have? Well, even even this much, how about just sending you an email that says, I hear you're in the hospital. Oh, geez, are you okay? I have people that didn't even write that. So, you know, that I thought were my good friends. Yeah. And they never checked on me. They never asked. They never did anything. And I thought, oh, hmm, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. So well, you're, you're kind of jumping ahead about what I'm, I'm trying to bring up. But, but I'm psychic. Good. No, thank you for that. <laughs> so you are learning that the pool shrinks, right? Yes. The pool is shrinking. Okay. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. Here's another way that it shrinks. You mentioned it. Social media. This is a relatively new category of friend that Maury didn't have to deal with and I think would have been quite disappointed with in terms of uh, calling people like that friends. But it is a category and we have to recognize it now. The people who you basically... 90 to 95 percent of your relationship is through email or text or instagram Mm -hmm. and yet oh we send each other emojis and hearts and 
thoughts and prayers, and and uh, I was devastated to hear the news. But we're writing, I was devastated to hear the news, and sending it in a text. We're not showing the, that person th- my, their face, your face, that it is devastated. So how do they know if you're really devastated or that's just good a sentence that you wanted to write? And we've we've all fallen back on this form of digital communication to be friends with one another to the point mm-hmm. that oh, forgive me anyone who's out there who has sent me one of these things but i find them a little bit off-putting when you get the digital christmas card or the digital thanksgiving card that you have to click on a thing and the little envelope opens and a card comes out oh, and a uh-huh. turkey and a turkey is on the card saying gobble gobble happy thanksgiving and it's like okay well it's cute and I appreciate it being sent better than nothing. But the fact that you could send this to 150 people with one push of a button and a group text send, and you're off the hook and say, wasn't I a great friend? I contacted everyone at Thanksgiving is a lot different than making the phone call and saying, hey, you got, you know, let's get caught up. It's Thanksgiving. What's going on? How, where is everybody? In, in, our, in our family, Thanksgiving is a huge um, event, and we have both family and friends that come to it. And the people, if they can't come in a given year, will now use, they'll use social media or they'll use the telephone, they'll use Facebook or they'll use the phone to see everybody. Pass the phone around, pass the phone around. And this goes back to even when I was a kid and one person would have to miss for some reason, they were sick or whatever, Oh yeah, miss one of the holidays. They would always call in the middle and the phone <laughs> would get passed around, right? Okay, I'm going to put you on with grandma was, now. Hang on a second. Right. Where is it? Hey, hey, Frank's on the phone. Come, Yeah, come on, hurry up. Yeah. It's expensive. You know, and they would That's come what, I was going to say that part. You would always say when they would first call, you'd say, hurry up, it's long distance. Long distance, yeah. <laughs> and and everybody would get on. But, but there was a sense of, it's not complete until you had checked in with everybody, right? Well, that's beautiful uh-huh. in its own way. You know, you heard them, they heard you. Now we just have this group text thing where you can just put, okay, family text, friend text, a, a friend group. Mm-hmm. And you've got 300 people in your friend group and you send out one message, you know, wishing, wishing you a, a happy and peaceful Easter. Let's get through it together. Uh, much love and your name. And boom, you hit a button and it took you all, uh, as long as it took me to say it, to reach mm-hmm. out to 300 people. That's not really the work that needs to be put in to sustain a friendship. It may look a little bit like a friendship on the outside, but the person who receives that card that 300 other people got, but you don't know it because they did the thing on the email where it looks like you're the only one who got it, Uh (laughs) which is another trick that they've invented. Um, Uh If you think that, therefore, that makes that person the kind of friend that you can depend upon, when you get an ALS diagnosis, think again, because it's probably mm-hmm. not going to happen. Uh, and again, does that mean that it's bad that you have friends who send you digital cards? No, there's nothing the matter with that. The only thing that goes awry is when you start to expect that category of friendship to drip over and become the other category of friendship, the deeper one. Yeah, that is so very true. And I'm noticing that happening with texts, too. I'll get texts on holidays from somebody, and I'll get so excited because I'm like, oh, look, he sent me a text saying Merry Christmas or whatever, and I get so excited. And then I realize, oh, wait a minute, it's part of a group text. 
<laughs> that you know when you can send a group text, but it makes it look like it's only coming to you. Right. You know exactly. That's uh, it what comes I was individually. Just referring to. But then I yeah, but it's the same thing. Like it's the same thing by text too, not just by email, because texts seem more personal, right? So you think, oh, they're sending me a personal text, then. After like when I write back and I don't hear from them for another two hours, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They sent this to everybody. It's not just me. I'm not special. Right. You're not special. <laughs> right. So we can make a lot of mistakes with friendship in crisscrossing uh-huh. our categories and just thinking because it has the word friend in it, we expect everybody to behave the same way. It doesn't really work that way. And Again, it doesn't mean that those people are not your friends in some form, but you see how the pool is shrinking. Maury admitted to me in a really poignant moment in one of our visits that he himself had made a mistake about a deep friendship that he had had, and he got a little obstinate when that friend didn't call and lost touch with the friend. Mm, mm-hmm. Let me play you the story, and you'll see what I'm talking about. A great friend of mine who was a psychiatrist, a sculptor, we had a terrific relationship. And we were great friends for many years. Then they moved to Chicago. And after they moved to Chicago, my wife had a serious operation. And I knew they knew about it, because friends of ours told us they told them about it. Mm-hmm. And they did not in any way get in touch with her. So we were both very hurt. So we dropped the relationship. And I met him a couple of times, and he made a gesture to try to reconcile. And I didn't accept it, because he never tried to explain it. And then, not so long ago, he died of cancer. And now I feel so sad that I did not go to see him and try to reconcile. So indeed, it's very important to get out of that stupid kind of hurt position where somebody disappointed you, so you give up. It pains me greatly. But there's nothing to do about it. When Maury told me this, I remember distinctly him crying Afterwards, so deeply, tears that were like from the solar plexus, you know, (gasps) Mm. that rob you of your breath. Mm. And the regret that he had in not honoring that friendship and in letting that friendship, which he felt was a real friendship, letting that friendship go because he was hurt. So again, this speaks to what can you fairly expect from your friends and not. If you set such high expectations that everybody who sent you a text, you expect to be at your 40th birthday party because it's a big, important birthday for you, <laughs> or uh, your your daughter is going into labor and you expect them to drive to the hospital to all be there when she comes out. You're going to be disappointed. People are oh, yeah. not going to give that level to you except your dearest, dearest friends. The pool is shrinking. Now, again, some of these things that you're seeking are really more kind of family things than friendship things. They're things that family members feel more of a commitment or an obligation to do, and friends interpret differently. That's another thing about friendship, is that friendship is up to interpretation. 
It's really easy to call somebody a friend. And think about it right now as I'm speaking to you. Do you have some friends who you would call friends, and they would probably call you their friend, but maybe they would just call you somebody that they know, but you're calling them your friends. Are there people who think of you as their friends, but truly you don't use that word when you describe them? That really, yes. it's just people that you know. <laughs> yeah, you said, well, right there, you're seeing them, Lisa, that friendship is yes. kind of up for interpretation. And some people think that they've got friends when really all they have are acquaintances who get their jokes or laugh at them or, or just have a friendly demeanor. Again, the pool shrinks. It gets smaller and smaller from all these different examples that you're hearing me bring up. The size of any one human being's great friends. And when I say great friends, I, don't, I mean multiple levels. Not just that they would be there in the case of a terminal illness. And not just once, but regularly. But also someone who vests the time to be there with you when they have it and you're healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one kind of friend who... You don't really see each other a whole lot, but when you go in the hospital, suddenly they show up and they're, they're there and you go, well, this is great. You know, thank you for coming. But there's part of you that says, I wish we spent more time together when I was healthy. I wish we spent more time together when we could just have fun instead of always coming to my rescue, you know, when things are really bad. And so there's that kind of friend too. And a real friend does both. A real friend is there for you in the easy times and the good times and wants to share time with you, but then is also there with you when the times are rough. And those are the hardest friends to find because there are some sort of savior friends or people who kind of get the friendship religion when they realize they're about to lose a friend. And they'll suddenly show up, they'll travel a great distance or go to a hospital and everybody be floored like, wow, that was really nice of you to, to come, you know, all this way. We haven't seen you in so long and just to be here at the hospital. But part of that may be guilt on that person's part yeah. that they're like, you know, I really haven't invested in this friendship the way I should have, but now before I lose it, before the person's gone, I, I, should, I should make a gesture towards it. That's not necessarily the closest form of friendship either, even though they're yeah. there for you at that tough time, right? Boy, it makes you realize how small, like I, wait, while you're saying all this, I'm trying to figure out how many friends do I actually have? Right. Like, what is my That's count? That's the point of this podcast. <laughs> Lisa, you figured it out. <laughs> I keep saying the pool is shrinking. And the truth is, most people in life don't have more than a couple, if that, of good friends. Yeah. M my mother, God rest her soul, who had a wisdom that was all her own, used to say to me, if you make one true friend in your life, you'll be blessed. And if you're really blessed, you'll marry them. Because uh. that way, your best friend will also be your spouse. And yeah. she had no expectations for more than one. One. Mm -hmm. You'd think a mom would be a little bit more optimistic, but no, <laughs> one. Five. And she, no, she was one. And I think she was right. So ask yeah. yourself now that we've come to the end of this sort of little exercise of all the different categories of friends that there are, how many really are there for the good times as well as the bad times? are there 
not just when they agree with you, but also when they disagree with you, not just when you agree with them, but when you disagree with them. My guess is it's single digits for sure, and probably mm-hmm. low single digits, in which case, cherish those people. Hang on to those people. Don't make the mistake that Maury did with his friend, the sculptor, because you don't want to lose that very, very rare thing that is a true friend. That does not mean that you don't deserve or are wasting your time with the friends in the other categories any more than Mm -hmm. it means like I should get rid of all my cousins because they're not as close to me (laughs) as my brother. So I'm going to get rid of all my cousins. I'm going to dump all my cousins. What do I need all those cousins for? They're not really family. Only my brother is my family. Only my sister is my family. No, they're your family too. Mm -hmm. But you don't expect the same things out of them as you expect out of the other family members that you're closest with. Yeah. You don't have to dump your cousins. You don't have to dump your friends. You just have to be realistic about what type of friend they are, what's the category that they're in, and what can you count on for them. As Maury says, make your own sort of circle. Define your friendships based on something that you have in common that is very, very important. Listen. But in your own little niche of friendships, you make sure that you unite the other people. You remember that they're fellow human beings who share a common humanity with you. And this whole society is indeed going in the opposite direction. So you may have started this podcast with 35 dear friends. And now that we've gone through this exercise, you're down to two. (laughs) And you may think, this is terrible. Yeah. I might have one. I'm not one. even sure yet. I'm going to have to call them when we're done to see if they pick up the phone. Put them to the test, okay. But <laughs> if don't, they don't feel not bad <laughs> because you didn't lose friends through this podcast. You just classified them and understood them a little better. And in fact, you may have gained friends because you could say, you know what, those people I sort of said, well, they're not my friends because they don't do this or that. Yes, they are. They can be my friends. They'll be the mm-hmm. you know, casual friends. They'll be the hangout friends. They'll be the faraway friends. And I'll have my small little group of dear, dear friends who I can rely on and who can rely on me. Because ask yourself, as you're weighing your friends, are you as good a friend to them as you are judging them on their friendship Mm. to be with you? Mm -hmm. Because friendship is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. Something to keep in mind. We hope you enjoyed this little lesson, so to speak, on friendship. Cherish the ones you have. As I cherish our friendship, Lisa, you definitely made the cut here. Ah, uh, me too, Mitch. Anything you need from me, you just call. Uh, no, I already, I already have. Be, see, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Anything I need from you, ditto. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> uh, we do this every Tuesday. You can find out more about it on wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. All of our old shows and calls and topics and chat groups, you can check all out there. We enjoyed speaking with you today. On behalf of Lisa Goich, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. 
We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.